All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Brains for Gains podcast. Um, today, uh, we have our co-host, Rob. Hello, everybody. And we're interviewing Emily. Emily, um, can you give us a little introduction? Sure, sure. My name is Emily Welsh. Um, I am a Lexington, South Carolina resident, and I have been in the fitness industry the majority of my adult life. Um, started with the firm and was a fitness instructor for them when they were owned by Guy Americas, and then eventually became a studio owner here in Lexington and um, just love teaching and spreading knowledge. So we're going to start with a real broad question, but the okay. firm, when was that? The firm, well, the firm began back in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm -hmm. But I you were into fitness before that too, right? I, yes, okay. I was, um, an athlete growing up yeah. and, um, just, you know, through college and everything, I, I ended up blowing out my knee when I was a senior mm -hmm. in college, ACL reconstruction and had PT, I guess you could call it, but I wasn't the star football player. So my PT was <laughs> back yeah, burner. basically, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. if the PT showed up, it was a good day, you know, I was basically on a bike and so, um, Long story short, you know, lots of atrophy on that side, and it just wasn't up to par. And went to work after, you know, I, of course, I was trying to get myself back in shape, and I was still working out and doing my own thing. But I went to work at a bank and ran into this woman named Libby. And this woman was in phenomenal shape. You know, she was in her 40s at this point. And I thought, what in the world do you do to stay in such phenomenal shape when she works a full-time job? And she said, oh, honey, it's the firm. And I said, the what? <laughs> and it was in five points. I had been a Carolina student, had no idea it was there. Right. I went and took a class, was hooked. I give the firm credit for rehabbing my leg, rehabbing my knee, because it was it's a lot of, you know, single leg training, a lot of balance work, things that I wasn't getting from PT, you know, through college and everything. Um, and anyway, it just ignited my love of teaching fitness. I always loved to be in shape, loved to move, loved to use my body, but getting into a realm where I could actually educate people and mm -hmm. help people understand, that's when I began training myself and, and becoming a personal trainer and, you know, learning as much as I could so I could pass that information on to people. All right. I got a question for you, Emily. When okay. you got, when you took over the firm, did you do anything different with it to, or did, to put your stamp on it? Or did you kind of go with the flow of what had been successful when you got there? I, at the beginning, I did just roll with the status quo because, again, I was first-time business owner. Um, I was just a little more concerned learning the business end. You mm -hmm. know, we knew the product we had worked. We knew the methodology worked. Right. So we just kept doing what we were doing. But as I grew to know our clientele and saw what basically the public needed from us, I would tweak some things, change some things, you know, um, allow some things we were not allowing in the past. Um, for one example, when I was – First teaching at the firm, I started it in 2000. Um, I had my children in 2003 and 2004. And as a pregnant woman, you were not allowed to teach classes. You could take classes, but even as a trainer, you were not allowed to teach as a pregnant woman. That was because a state that regulation? That was or? a firm regulation. Oh, I got you. They didn't want anyone who could not be the advanced exerciser gotcha. on the platform given instruction, which I can totally understand. But when I opened it in Lexington, I have women from all ages, shapes, and sizes Pregnant, not pregnant, you know, right after having a baby. And I felt like having a pregnant woman on the platform showing you how to do it correctly, safely, mm -hmm. you know, would, good would be a great idea. Mm -hmm. And they're very capable of explaining to the advanced exercisers who already knows what they're doing yeah. to go ahead and move forward with an advanced version. Mm -hmm. But then they can still continue to safely exercise and give instruction to the folks that need it at that level. And so that's, that's one of the small things I changed. But I felt like it was a really great change because I'd say – five instructors, maybe six instructors in the time that I owned the gym had babies. Oh. Wow. 
uh, they were teaching for me. And so it was a great, it was a great opportunity, I think, to share that with. What's crazy about that too, I feel like, is that that's so modern thinking now looking back on it, because looking back on it now, there's so many CrossFit classes dedicated to pregnant women. Mm -hmm. They talk about the different, um, they talk about how a pregnant woman would train differently versus somebody who's not, uh, and why, and how their protocol changes for that. I guess my question for you was, you said when you came in, the culture was like that, right? Mm -hmm. What was the culture like for female athletes then versus now? I know that's an incredibly broad question, but it seems like, Um, the protocols and stuff were more male dominant at the time and oh, then absolutely. female secondary, right? Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, back when the firm began, it was the first women can weight train right. program out there. I it think was, that's what made it that's special. A, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's still, so, you know, that was back in the Jane Fonda days, mm-hmm. you know, when Jane had started jumping around and then Disney Austin came around and it was still that in that home aerobics kind of mindset. And, Everybody's in leotard or whatever. Um, and then, you know, the firm decided, okay, women can do this. Well, the funny thing is, the very first time I took a firm class, probably half the class was in leotards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those high-waisted leotards. Oh, yeah. And thongs, right, right, right. Belts. Little leg What is yeah, that yeah. going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been yeah, with the clean white shoes. Oh, yeah. Just perfectly pearlescent high tops. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah. hey, they were in fantastic shape. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a very – strange not to say strange environment but just we were anomalies mm-hmm. you know we oh you work out at the firm because that just wasn't normal women didn't go and lift weights you mm-hmm. know and our our body shapes were different right we yeah. had muscles we had tone we had sculpted shoulders you yeah. know and, and we had traps things that mm-hmm. that a lot of women don't have and don't don't use their bodies in the way to achieve right, right. and so as 20 some years have passed crossfit uh-huh. Even things like Burn Boot Camp and these other yep. smaller franchises have popped in are saying, yes, women, pick up weights, pick up heavy things, you know. And obviously, personal trainers now are coming down the road and saying you should be picking up heavy things all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's become more norm for women to, you know, train more like a man. I'm using my quick fingers for that um, <laughs> because that's the way men have always trained. Right. You know, it just wasn't our norm. But I and I, and I would even go so far as to say not like a man, but just optimal muscle, muscle training, training yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I mean, strength is... Strength is what's going to carry us into our older age, right? You know, and if you don't have it, obviously you're going to be yeah. At risk for all kinds of problems. Yeah, there's tons of uh, statistical research to showcase that most thing the the main common thing that hurts the elderly or, or makes them inactive is the inability to recover from a fall, mm-hmm. right? The exactly. inability to recover to have that explosive potential to be able to change direction and make sure they don't yeah. fall all the way, right? Mm-hmm. Or if they do fall, at the very least be able to make sure that the impact mitigation is not as bad by having denser muscles. But exactly. Right? Bone density is huge. Yeah. And just agility, balance, strength. I mean, those are the three main yeah, things. That's the whole that thing. My mindset, as I've gotten older, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I was a cheerleader, so my balance was, I mean, I'm standing on one hand and one foot, mm-hmm. a foot over my head, mm-hmm. and I have great balance. Yeah. But it's changed. I'm 45 now, and it's obviously different. Yeah. Very different than it was when I was in my 20s. So it's something I make an effort mm-hmm. to train on myself all the time. It's funny you'd mention that because we, we – we, our previous episodes, we went pretty beat big into how a lot of the training protocols that we have are too specialized first, generalized second, mm-hmm. right? So now we're learning more that you know balance and all that kind of stuff is super important Absolutely. before you ever specialize into like a weight-based program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's funny that you'd mentioned that because yeah. we were talking about that yeah. earlier too. I mean, you know, it's the basics. Well, and I think the basic mechanics of movement, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't start throwing weights at people until you know for sure they can squat well without falling backwards, you right? Know? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. without having their knees go so far forward they you know, face plant. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think balance is huge. Agility, obviously, um, that's not something that I don't think people really think about 
Yeah. As we exercise. But yes, you need to be able to move quickly yeah. and, and right yourself, you know, right yourself with a bounce and agility combined. And anyway, I just think that um, the tsunami board is really exciting because it trains all that <laughs> at one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That helps with all of those aspects. But, nice, nice plug. Nice yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, we are, we are, we are not, we are a, a biased source. I have to let everybody know that, that this is happening in the tsunami building as <laughs> yes. well. Just FCC regulations, everybody. <laughs> But um, it's funny because I have a friend right now who's uh, who's getting into being a, a trainer, and he's finding it incredibly difficult right now because with his clientele, they're all about having less body fat, looking better, but they're not about getting stronger exactly. by any means. So would you say that the firm was kind of the deviation from that when it comes to that type of programming at the time? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, so I would say it evolved. Yeah. I think back in the 80s and 90s, it was about the way you looked. It was about being very thin. And that's that's the difference, I think, in mindset in general. Like if yeah. you look at women back in the 80s and the 90s, they're much, much thinner overall than mm-hmm. they are now. And yeah. I think women tend to embrace curves a little bit more, yeah. muscularity now. a little yeah. bit more, which is great. Um, so I think that it has evolved throughout the years. But I will say the firm was always about strength and health and fitness over, you know, let's look in the bikini this summer. Right. And, and you'll even notice, um, if you look back through our videos, if anybody ever watches the videos, what we would say in the marketing plugs uh-huh. as we're doing the videos, you know, it changed over the years. Mm-hmm. The very first ones I ever did, oh, don't you want to look great in that bikini here? You know, the summer's right around the corner. Right. We didn't say that <laughs> 10 years from after that. You know, we were like, that's not what people need to hear. They need to hear that. This is for overall health and, and fitness and, and keeping you young for a longer period of time, not getting you in a bikini. Was that progressive or was that like an overnight shift? I think it was progressive. progressive. And I think, honestly, it had to do with the fact that we, as the instructors that were always in those videos, yeah. matured. You know, because yeah. when you're in your 20s, what is your yeah. mindset? I just want to look good. Yeah. You had instructors you know? that stayed with you a long time. Long time, yeah. yes. And I still, it is so funny, I, I run into people constantly, when are you going? Right. You know, open another gym, and no, no, <laughs> you'll have to go find those other instructors elsewhere. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, people really miss just the way that that we did things, you know. And it was a very safe environment, and um, you know, I had a wide variety of shapes, sizes, and levels mm-hmm. on the platform. Yeah. So that everybody was fit, but everybody was different ages. I mean, I had six-year-old women. And then I had 25-year-old women teaching. So and it was a, and people who were parents and people who were not, people who worked full-time and people who didn't, and mm-hmm. um, people who had you know, years and years and years of knowledge and people who were pretty much brand new to yeah. fitness. They'd have been in it for a few years. And so I think that it made it a safe place for all fitness levels, all women to come and feel like, and even men too, feel mm-hmm. like that they were getting a solid, safe, and mm-hmm. effective program. What's crazy too is that uh, it's currently even still evolving, right? Like, um, I think we talk about this all the time, but for people who don't train, when they look at people, Hollywood actors playing a specific role, you know, you look at that and you go, that's not, they're not built for that to be believable, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, for me right now, um, you know, the recent Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander, she was so cut in that movie Mm -hmm. to the point where I, as somebody who does train, I know, 
that's not manageable. You can't walk around at that weight. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the training protocol she did for that movie, she talks about how she had to basically take a break every like couple minutes to basically have some type of high sugar fruit snack, right? Mm -hmm. Cause she's just so cut up. Mm -hmm. But then you look at like Natalie Portman now in the new Thor movie and she's looking just full, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's looking built. Mm -hmm. And also it's a walking around weight that looks believable to me. As somebody who trains, I can say Mm -hmm. that is a powerful, confident person, you know? So I feel like it's crazy. I, I think it's kind of interesting because I think you guys created the market marketability, but the industry slowly created a narrative around it, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what you mean mm-hmm. is that when you first started, you figured out what was marketable because that's how every brand grows, right? But as you keep progressing, there was a narrative behind that. There was a narrative around that that you guys were able to commoditize, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with yeah. the firm, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I definitely agree. And it, it's luckily for us it was embraced right yeah. and it and it became and for all of us and it was much us. needed let's oh, be real here absolutely yeah absolutely um but i do think that the firm even if it was happening today if i still owned the gym and we were still it still would have evolved even more like we would have even changed our protocol because again things are like you said constantly evolving mm-hmm. and um you know maybe we would have had well, so you you asked me earlier, like, what are one of the changes I made? So back when I first started with the firm, there were, I want to say maybe some 20-pound dumbbells in the studio. I can't remember exactly, but not many. Mm-hmm. And not many women picked them up. And we had these little light bars that were 10 pounds and right. these little five-pound plates. And if you put a five-pound plate on each end of that bar and put it on your shoulders, then you were working hard. <laughs> you know. And then we get to... Lexington studio and I have 25 pound, 35 pound, 40 pound dumbbells. You know, we've got women who are throwing two thirty fives on their shoulders and doing like press or, you know, squatting mm-hmm. 20 reps at a time. For, and, and the thing is, you know, we're not taking breaks in between exercises. So their heart rate is up. So they're, they're very, very conditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was one of those things where I think that I pushed for people to evolve, to get more into the heavy lifting aspect and, and focus on strength. And I think now if we were still open we probably would even have a separate type of training yeah. for, cause we did do boot camps and things in our iron right. gym right. with all the equipment that you guys built for me. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but you know, the, another plug another again, plug, yes, <laughs> they build amazing equipment. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, I think at some point I would have taken that and put it into a group fitness format, Yeah. you know, so in a classroom format, because so many women are afraid of gyms, you know, yeah. but they're not afraid of classes. Right. And I feel like, it, you know, strength training is, is such a huge thing. And, people are less and less afraid of it mm-hmm. now due to marketing and branding and everything else. Yeah. You know, it became a, it became a spectator brand to a lifestyle brand. Right. Mm. And I think that happened kind of in the, your generation with bodybuilding. Oh, mm-hmm. When I first got started in the big box fitness industry, uh-huh. in the early 1980s, like eight eighty two, eighty three, I moved to Atlanta and um, yeah, I probably didn't have a hundred Fifty dollars with my name. I just decided I was going to move, and um, I ended up uh, sleeping in a like a Waffle House parking lot when I got there. Uh, pulled a paper out, uh, started looking for a place to live. Uh, found a, a special for ninety nine bucks, move in special. So I went over there, uh, uh, filled out the paperwork, got a place to stay. Now I need a job, so I got back in the paper, and uh, there was this you know place to hiring uh, fitness minded people uh-huh. so uh, i didn't know anything about american fitness centers they ended up being the biggest fitness facility in atlanta wow. they had nine locations and all the right spots uh these places were were just jacked up good 
they had all the selectorized equipment you would ever want. They had indoor tracks. They had pools. They had saunas. They had all the sunbed equipment for tanning. They had separate uh, weight room for the for the lifters. They Muscle had, Mecca. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the one that I worked at in the uh, Smyrna area, um, gosh, they just they just had everything. But we had huge aerobic floors. And when we had, you know, being that we were the attraction in the city as far mm-hmm. as health and fitness goes, we had a top-of-the-line instructors. And our aerobic instructors would fill these, I mean, I can't remember the square footage, but we'd have 70 people in a class. I mean, they were huge. And, um, and, and that's not were, just for aerobics. Uh, it was, yeah, just aerobics. Yeah. And that was back in the day of, of uh, step aerobics or, you know, just the general, the general run-of-the-mill stuff yeah. that you would see on television, too. And, uh, you know, leg warmers and all that uh-huh. stuff was right in style. But um, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, that was the main attraction. I mean, that's how we sold the memberships mm-hmm. to the place was, was the aerobic uh, attraction. Yeah. And then everything else was a sidebar unless you were a lifter. Then we had that too. Yeah. People kind of forget that the performance-driven lifting is kind of a secondary deal to most gyms. Most gyms make their bottom line by having – classes and things like that i think more than anything you guys are the animal uh the 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 little zoo pen where people come in and see you guys and go i want to be like that guy i want to get that you know we did we did um and you probably did some some off off campus promotions Uh, we would go to nightclubs we'd be we would go to a nightclub and we'd have tables set up and we'd have our aerobic instructors and they would have some kind of choreographed routine Mm -hmm. and the dj would cut the music off everybody take a break get a drink and and our crew would go up there and the, they would play the selected music and they would go through a routine. And uh, then people would flock to the tables we, we were at to find out, you know, what the membership deals are. And oh, rocks. Uh, <laughs> oh, we were like rock stars. Yeah. I mean, if, if, I yeah. Walked up, if I walked to a place, any place in Atlanta that uh, that was, you know, widely frequent, frequented at the time, and there was a 100 people deep in the line to get in, I could walk right to the front. You work at American Fitness Center, come on in. That's just the way it was. We were the king of the hill. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a great deal. But, you know, there was some arrogance that came along with that, too. Of course. Uh, you know, so How people, could you not? You're oh, cutting uh, in front of 100 people. You know, it, you know, I remember this one guy. I'll never forget him. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing because I really feel like a jerk now because I was a jerk. But uh, he was, you know, I'm standing there. I'm rocked up, um, you know, wearing the tightest shirt that I could get. Extra schmedium. Oh, it was it was definitely a schmedium. Schmedium. Yeah. And uh, so I'm standing there, and and uh, this guy's talking about his way, how he works out, what his routine is, and and uh, he it was it was kind of a winter time, and it was a little cool in there, and he had a jacket on. I said, take your jacket off. He took his jacket off, and he had like a sweater on. I said, take that sweater off. He took the sweater off, and he had a shirt on there, and he had these little bitty arms. I said, that's the kind of arms you get working out at home. Because I want him to come to our place. Oh, yeah. Well, it lit him up, but he came and joined. Yeah. So okay. I, I got my objective. Effective marketing. Yeah. It was. A, it, but uh, man, that was a. He should have slapped me right across yeah. the face. <laughs> but uh, well, he already lost as soon as he took that jacket off. Man. Yeah. <laughs> You're commanding him to do it, and he's doing it. Nah, he already lost right then and there. Yeah. He was. Uh, he ended up being a great guy. You know, we were we were buddies after that. But yeah. uh, you know, it, it embarrassed him. Uh, yeah. You know, I felt like I felt like. Uh, I felt great at the time, but I feel terrible. <laughs> hey, it's all right. Hey, whoever that guy is, we apologize yeah, uh, formally. Yeah, sorry about that, but uh, glad you got those arms to grow a little bit. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. So going and going back to the firm a little bit more, um, 
you guys kind of did, you guys were really big in like the VHS market, right? Mm. So that training is kind of non-existent now in comparison. Well, I don't know. See, that's what's interesting is that it's just a different format. It's different format. And now it kind of exists in more of a narrative driven way where it's based around a creator now, right? There's no company really anymore for a lot of these people. They make YouTube videos. They, they make content based around their programming and then they basically release all that. And a lot of them are certified, but of course those certifications, and this is kind of a, my state, my kind of take on it, but a lot of times, anytime something is certified, it's already kind of dated. Right. So what do you kind of think about that market now and how it's grown? Oh, it's, I mean, it's so different. Yeah. So different than it was. You know, we went, um, so we rode the wave, the VHS. Yeah. DVD. Yeah. And it was the infomercial wave. And, 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 and at that time, was it based around any product or was it just the VHS was the product? Cause I know de- supplement companies did that. It depended yeah. on, so as, okay, so back before I was involved with the firm, I started with the firm in 2000. So back before then, the VHS era, uh-huh. um, it was it was based the product was the workout the methodology and it took it was a mom and pop shop right so it took them a year they would film a workout over several days and it would take them a year to edit and put it together so oh, they did a lot gosh. of pre-orders right. and I think they did a few a year mm-hmm. but that they created that cult following well I have no idea the details behind the story but something happened and that company the, the men and women that originally owned the production company and the firm sold. The assets, all of those two, Good Times Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Good Times Entertainment back then owned Tybo, Leslie Samson, the Walking Lady. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they were direct TV marketing, mm-hmm. just like Guy, the last owners, are. And they had a huge infomercial seg- segment of their company, and that was where they made the majority of their money. And so they were excited to take the firm's assets because they knew there was this cult following out there. Right. And that's when the products became introduced. Mm. So what they started doing, and Guy continued to do the same thing, is there had to be a hook, right? There has to be a hook when you're selling something on TV. Yes. And you guys know this. I mean, you know, with the Tsunami Bar, what is it that we do well with the Tsunami Bar that we can tell people about right. and convince them that this is what the product could be? So that's how, you know, when we were doing videos, we used our methodology, but a lot of the time... We were given this prototype. Hey, we found this. What do you think about this? And I would have to play with it. And then they would say, well, can you create firm workouts with it? So then we would take our methodology and try our darndest to keep it firm, mm-hmm. but create it around this product and make this product useful in the way that we use weights and teach classes and things. Some worked better than others. Mm-hmm. You know? But in, in that infomercial world, there was always a hook. There always had to be something that created the excitement. Right. They weren't just going to buy it because it was an exercise video. Yeah. That made sense. And so every time we went to production, there was something else added into the mix. You know, some other tool. That- so in the best case scenario, it's almost as if they're suggesting you. But in the worst case scenario, we're talking straight up producer meddling, right? Oh, I mean, they were, yeah. I mean, we would get, so for instance, um, well, early on when I first started the boxes, I don't know if you've heard of the Fanny Lifter yep. and then the Transformer. Okay, so those yes. are takes on the wooden boxes we used in the classroom. Yeah. That we'd always use. Mm-hmm. So they just try to create something that could be mass marketed, made out of China, and sold. Mm-hmm. You know, easy. But then when we got to other things that were totally not, like for instance, the Wave, it was this curved, piece of wood that you can flip over and rock on it. Right. Or I remember that. I remember that. Step. Yeah. And 
yes and no. It, it had its place, but it was also like creating workouts that made use of the curving side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that because it was, I think it was then changed to market to surfboarders and to skateboarders, which is super crazy, but I think they it use was, that same yeah, concept. It was a real, it was interesting for us. Yeah. So stability, that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah and, and granted, you use stability balls and all kinds of things to work on stability, but that was a product that took a lot of creativity for us to come up with some really solid workouts to mm-hmm. make it firm, mm-hmm. you know, to really right. say, this is our brand and we, we use this and we did use it in the classroom for a few years, but that's one of the things that, I mean, eventually I just pulled it out of the studio. Right. Like it's just taken up space. Mm-hmm. It really isn't as effective as our other pieces of equipment. And you only have so much room in there, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have 15 pieces of equipment around your feet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was one of those things where I felt like it was just not as important as the others. Um, but it still was a great product for the way that we used it and the videos that we created with it. Right. Um, but again, you know, it was how many products did you guys end up over the years? Oh gosh, so marketing. many, so many. Um, we, so we would do things like, you know, infomercials with three and four videos that went with one major product. And then we would go do a second shoot sometimes in the same uh-huh. two, three week time span, sometimes a couple months later to kind of fortify that set with some other shorter workouts like an ab workout or here's a little ball that Mm -hmm. you can use with this and it you know adds xyz to it or whatever so there's all kinds of little things little Mm -hmm. bands little balls stability balls um any basically anything that you could stamp the firm on right you know and create a product workout with we would use hi everybody Welcome to the commercial break of the Brains for Gains podcast. This is the part where I talk to you about the companies that we represent. We represent William Strength, Tsunami Bar Sports, and Total Strength and Speed. So everything you hear by no means comes from an unbiased party since we are within the exercise science world. But almost all the information that is being spoken of or talked about within the episode is usually a part of a clinic or something along those lines. So again, these are anecdotal stories, but you know, these are knowledge bombs that we kind of learn as we do more and more stuff within this industry. Yeah. I, I'm more curious, I think. So so basically what you're telling us is that a lot of the times you would be given implements to, to make programs around, but not the other way around. Yes. There were not programs that they built and then figured, hey, this tool would be effective to make this program more effective. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So and again, that was the the hook right yeah of the and, yeah. and then we did have one set which i really was thrilled about um it was one of our last infomercials and the hook was actually a burst of mm-hmm. movement you know uh-huh. it was a high intensity segment that we put in something explosive right okay and it wasn't a product it wasn't a thing yeah it was us moving and, yeah. and i loved that because it was just dumbbells and us and that's the way we'd always done it you know and yeah i wanted to and it felt more like the firm than anything else had felt in terms of um our infomercials outside of the very early ones that we did. And I'm assuming at that time there was such a drought as far as, or such a, just a burst of all these products and a drought of training protocol that that just felt like a refreshing wind that was, was kind of coming back. It was so great. Yeah. When they decided that was the next way to go, we were thrilled. Was it one of those situations where you guys, cause I'm assuming this probably had to have happened where you guys would come up and say, you know, we're not at, at a certain point we've lost the narrative. Like we, we are not selling products that help. Well, I don't want to say that to, to would, that degree, but you know yeah, what I'm saying. So, yes, I would say amongst all of us, because there was about the same group of ladies that were involved in the videos. Mm-hmm. We would, you know, move a few in and out occasionally, but the same about the same core group was involved. And I would say 
you could probably ask all of them. And at some point they would have thought to themselves, why am I doing a workout with this thing? Mm -hmm. You know, but they also believed in the brand. They also believed Gaim, our parent company that was marketing this. You know, we signed on the dotted line to do a job right. that they asked us to do. You right. know, here's a contract. We're paying you to do X, Y, Z. So they're going to do it to the best of their ability, whether they felt like that product was mm-hmm. exactly what the firm was about or not. Um, but I do, I honestly, truly believe that everything we put out, we put out to make it the best firm workout we could with the products that we had. Gotcha. So I don't think we sacrificed our methodology. I don't think we did it intentionally. If it, if you felt like the fir- one of the firm products didn't lend itself to a firm, a true firm methodolo- methodology type workout, it wasn't intentional. We tried our best to make it firm. Yeah, you never sold time. out the fitness end of it. Right. Or the wellness end of it or however you want to define it to uh, to the product To the line. product, right. right. And we, we fought for heavier weights for mm-hmm. many years. We fought for, because, you know, on TV, things look a little scarier than they do mm-hmm. in person sometimes. And so for a long time, um, we weren't allowed to have anything small or anything larger than 12-pound dumbbells on set. Really? That was, a, that, was, was a, that was like a regulation. It was just the producers didn't think it looked, it looked scary to women, huh. you know, and they didn't want to scare people off, which, I mean, again, they're in the product, they're in the business of making money, right, right, right? right? They want to sell as many kits as possible. And we're in the business of fitness and getting people stronger. And when I'm supposed to be really working hard with 12 pound (laughs) dumbbells, you know, I mean, yes, I am working hard on set, but it's, but it's not what I can normally do, you know, and I can't say that I'm an advanced exerciser going really heavy with these 12 pound dumbbells for bench press. I mean, if you're, if you're there, right. To sell the image of strength and they ask you to deload, that's already crazy, right? Well, Keep in mind, too, I mean, for years, between takes, they would blow dry us off because they didn't want us sweating. Which is nuts. <laughs> they wanted us to look pretty. Like, it, really, yeah. it has evolved so much to by the end, we had 20 and 25s on set. We were dripping with sweat. They would just come and, like, pat us off. I mean, right. before then, it was blow dryer to the shirt and the shorts <laughs> and, you know, fix your hair and put on more makeup. I mean, it was a deal because they wanted us to look pretty. Man, how – well, the, the, that mindset has changed yeah, so much. so much. So um, that towards the end, it became like it should be. We're sweating. We're yeah. working hard. And this is what you've been – we're doing this with you at home, you know? <laughs> I can't doing it with you if I'm not really doing it with you. And I, I was at that point. How funny is it that – they would blow the sweat off of you, but oh. then they would spritz the dudes yeah, to make yeah. them look more sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, and it's kind of off the subject, but since you brought it up with the dudes, uh, oh, we have to talk about it, man. <laughs> well, it's the uh, it's that same sweat line. It's that little V that oh, runs yeah. the V taper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, never yeah, changes. Yeah. You know, my shirt would be ringing wet yeah. from top to bottom, but the yeah. dudes on TV just a little yeah. V taper, uh-huh. right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, basically, uh, back back in the back in the seventies, it was like hair with the yeah. Bee Gees, and then in the eighties, it was sweat. That's oh, what it was. goodness! Yeah, yeah, they they switched that I, out. I love to compare and contrast <laughs> the times. Me being an older guy, I've you know I've been through several decades of this, and uh, to see where things are now, the mindset now, the the people that that um, that are more aggressive with it now, especially the ladies' side, mm-hmm. and um, and you know now the youth. Uh, we've always tried to get the youth involved with um and there's been different businesses pop up. I won't mention any of their names, but they were geared to bring kids in and um you know, try to get them involved, whether it was just jumping around on mats and 
and bouncy balls and stuff like that. Some of them were kind of extra, more exercise driven, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, you know, you just got to make it so because of the attention span is so, and they don't have any goals as a six year old. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they just, they just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different to try to program for them. Um, and, uh, you know, I would have failed miserably at that because I'm so, you know, sergeant at arms, we're going down the line. This is how we're going to do it. And, um, but, uh, to, to see the past and the present, uh, for me, it's quite interesting. And to hear your story, uh, gosh, it brings back a ton of memories. Yeah, it is evolution. The, the thing is, is that we're right at the, and what's interesting is that we're right at the cusp of performance and marketability. That's what's so crazy, right? That's kind of the world you came from. Yeah, yeah. and it's still that way. I mean, you still got the, um, you know, I'll use this name, uh, Planet Fitness. Yeah, I've told, we've had their guys in the building, uh-huh. and uh, and he just came back from because we were trying to get our equipment maybe involved in the uh-huh. in the deal, and um, you know he said we just came back from a big summit type thing where we had a lot of the store managers and in, in there, and he said you know how much time we spent talking about exercise and fitness zero, yeah. it's all about marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's um, it, but you know they offer a product at a very affordable price and. If you can go in there and jump on the treadmill and do your own thing a little bit and maybe get a little help now and then, you know, it's very successful. Yeah, yeah that's it's it's a perfect – I mean, every every gym kind of has its point, and a lot of people I know basically just use it as a cardio outlet. Yeah, pretty and much. And they sign up for Cheapest cardio gym. in town. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, yeah, so you're out of the elements and there's no excuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to mention also, again, I mean, they get a lot of hate, I think, within the industry, uh, mainly because of kind of – kind of the what they represent to a degree especially in our industry well you know i haven't heard At any the of those commercials level. like the uh the uh the arnold knockoff yeah and he's walking him through the gym and he goes i pick things up i put them down and he walked him right out the back door and closed the door <laughs> dude, dude the funniest but, part about that too is that every single one of those people in the commercials yeah. i didn't realize it but i follow them now Oh yeah. Like, yeah. So like, so like every single bodybuilder that they got, like, yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, they kind of start up and caked up from that. Which but I don't hear nuts. any of those commercials Not anymore, that group man. anymore. Well, so I, I think, which is good. Yeah, it is good. But I, I do feel like from an outsider's perspective, they do try to keep that type of exerciser out of their facility, yep. which mm-hmm. is a disservice because that's who people learn from. And that's who people are motivated by. Yeah, you know, I will and, agree and with and that. You, Good point. A, that 16-year-old that's coming in mm-hmm. because he just needs to get some extra cardio or he's been told to do this little circuit sees you, you know, deadlifting or, or doing something that he's never even attempted. Mm-hmm. I want to be strong like that guy. Yeah. He might have the courage to come find you and say, hey, can you train me, dude? Or, uh, or where I was, do I go? I was, exact, I, was that, I was that kid. When you're not allowing yeah. those people into your facility to show people really what's possible. You're doing yourself a disservice and your clients. I think Yeah, I've always um, said, you know, planet fitness and that type of model is something that we sort of deserve for going way too hard. Well, you know what I mean? In the, in the other direction when it came to marketing, you know, I mean, it exists because we, it got to the point where we were no longer really selling images, but products. Right. And it yeah. got, it just yeah. got too, it just got too much. I you see. Know? I do see that. Yeah. I do see that. But I still think that they could be a little bit more all inclusive. Yeah. When it comes to you know no grunting. If you drop a dumbbell, you're out. You know, yeah. really come yeah. on. Yeah. You know, you want someone in there working hard. I mean, your your clients are your are your marketing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's your business card, and if they're all 
out of shape, who's going to want to join the gym? Yeah. Not to mention also Marguerite. all bullshit aside, who cares? It, they just want a cheap gym yeah. that they can work out in and then maybe do yeah. some type of like, you yeah, know, that's what I'm saying. Thing. Yeah. yeah. What do you think but, about uh, uh, a place like Curves? That was really oh, dedicated yeah. to the women. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that is a great question. Those. Yeah. I remember those. Now, okay, so, you know, back when we were, when I had the firm, and I was with the firm before I owned the studio, um, I would have not, that would not have been my cup of tea. Right. You know, that would not, I was a little arrogant. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> we know more and do more. And oh, yeah. That is not enough for us. <laughs> You're not getting a workout, you know, and. Yes, that was terrible. Terrible. That was terrible of me to think because now that I'm older, you know, that catered more to probably women my age yeah. or women that were very sedentary mm-hmm. that were a little bit younger. And looking back, that was a terrible thing for me to think because that's what got those women up and moving, mm-hmm. you know. And I do, I did and do think that if there's something for you out there that gets you off the couch and gets you using your body and your muscles, that is freaking fantastic. So I should not have had that in my mind that it wasn't good enough because I, you know, I still felt like what we did was the epitome. You're the best. We should be doing. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Back in those days, I just remember thinking, they should just come here. They're just wasting our money. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, maybe they couldn't have handled what we did. Probably. Yeah. Too intimidating for Mm -hmm. them. So it was that place that got them, involved yep. with them moving and that's yeah wonderful. and obviously I'm, I'm 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 pretty young but more than ever the what i'm starting to learn from the industry a little bit is that it's all compounding right mm-hmm. so a lot of the testimony that i hear, hear from the elite lifters whether they're male or female um it's always something small that gets them in mm-hmm. right i'm talking like okay like melissa peacock right mm-hmm. it was just uh soccer and then a little bit of athletics and crossfit that like got her in right and it's like if that wasn't there for her, like we wouldn't have one of the strongest no, women in the world. No, she's you know? um, and she's she's a world record holder. She said it last year at the clash when, yeah. uh, in Hilton Head when we were there. Yeah, so it's crazy because and again, it's it, what I love to uh, you know social media has its downsides, but looking through all the testimonies and stories of what get these what got these people into the game, right? Mm-hmm. What got them into the sport, yeah. and what made them titans in this industry? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of cool. And again. Just going back to what you said, um, a lot of the times I feel like we do a disservice by specializing too early when they're not super mobile, when they're not able to, you know, have full depth or full range of motion. And then you put weight on that and there's just not the way to start, Mm-mm. you know? So it does more harm than good a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 So whatever it takes, that's my, that's always been my credo is that no matter how many differences you have with me, whether it's, it's social, political, anything, if I can kind of relate on you, at least from that level of, of training, then I'm going to train with you at the very least. And then open that door up. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny. I never, I've had tons of workout partners over the years Mm -hmm. and I don't think I know what any of these guys voted you know who, yeah. how they voted. That's and not a conversation. It's you have just when you're working didn't make any difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny how now you get canceled for. You know, oh yeah, you can't. Even oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, it's funny because like in my past life, um, my gym partner was a was a woman, but it kind of it was awesome in a degree too because you're gonna laugh at this, but there's so many guys that train to look good, mm-hmm. but this person trained to just just be stronger. There was no other minutia there. Now, of course, you know, she wanted bigger legs. She wanted a bigger ass, like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. 100%. But when it came to actually performing, 
I think it was good for me to have that because it was such a different, it was such a different protocol than like doing just like an arm day with like the guys and stuff like that, that right. it just kind of gave me a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, you've trained a long, a long time. And yeah. you've had like, uh, like Andrew, you train with Andrew a lot. Yeah. Do you find, if you think back on that, that you trained harder because you were with a female than you do with your male partners? Because you weren't going to. Because of the ego, because uh, of the ego side of it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. With Andrew, when I you like, can miss when a, I, you can miss a deadlift and go, ah, oh, I'll get it next week. When I give, nah, no, listen, listen, nah. listen. With Andrew, when I give up a set, I'm like, that's a master level being like, I'm gonna take it a little bit easier on this one, you know? But like, no, yeah, one hundred percent. And of course, at that time, I was not as uh, strong as I am now. Right. Um. So there was that degree as well, but not, you know, it's not. Maybe that was there, but the reality is, is that she was like a CrossFit certified trainer mm-hmm. who's been doing this for years. So there wasn't too much shame for her just absolutely destroying me and hit workouts and stuff I like was that. Getting ready to ask because what, because what did, she's just what another did she level. Whoop your ass in, dude. <laughs> anything high intensity, she smoked me. anything. The only thing I could beat her in is bench, and that's just bare bone like you have to like that's just oh, yeah. the, the yeah. guy yeah. the the guy, the guy workout yeah. you know you lose so your card basically basically <laughs> she beat me in almost everything that she wasn't injured in which is so funny because crossfit right yeah. but anything that she wasn't injured in at that time yeah she probably smoked me in and i can say that i can say that and look directly in the camera and i'll feel a little bit of shame but not too much shame <laughs> Emily, did you train with many guys? Any any like yeah. male uh, weightlifting partners that you might have had back in the day? Is there my, even like a difference husband, in your really. mind? I yeah, mean, yeah. My husband's really the only fella I've trained with. When I was doing um, those shows, I did. I don't know if you know that. You know, I did some fitness like television shows. New uh, NPC. Oh no no oh wait I I did know that. In fact, I, I remember I remember seeing some pictures of you. Yeah. yeah. What what is fun. that? Um, NPC just competitions. Bi- bodybuilding. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, shows. Okay. And I did um, three fitness. Oh, yeah, and I got, got you. talked into doing bikini. I'm not a bikini girl, and that was not fun. But anyway, <laughs> um, I loved, loved training for the fitness uh-huh. because that's my jam. Yeah. I want to lift heavy. And, well, and I take that back. I love the first two I did because the third one I did, I was told by my trainer, no. You, you, you need to do something different. Mm-hmm. So the first two, I had the best time because I was training with John, yeah. my husband, and he loves to lift heavy. And it was, you know, lots of heavy deadlifts, heavy bench, lots of pull-ups with weight, you know, built and weight, right. waist. Um, I mean, just as heavy as I could go. And mm-hmm. my goal was, That's bad and ass. I do more. Chins with a weighted belt? I did. I was talking about, <laughs> I would, you know, I would rock out like 12 to 15 at a time. Oh my God. So then John was like, you need some weight. And so he would throw a belt on me. Yeah. 10, 15 Good for him. From it. And I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I was so strong. The strongest I've ever been. And I, even though I didn't look the part like huh. I needed to, I wasn't as lean as I needed to be. And I was, I had much bigger quads and I wasn't, you know, symmetrical mm-hmm. as I should have been in certain places because I was training myself. Um, I felt the best I have ever felt. Right. And knowing like the confidence, knowing that you're that strong. That's huge. That's huge. Oh, yeah. You know? That's and the so, biggest part. Yeah. And that, and, and to me, it, it, granted, I had to look a certain way on stage and that was cool to get mm-hmm. that lean and, and feel good that way. But even when I had to go backwards, I still didn't, I wasn't freaking out about it because I was still so strong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I was eating more food than I've ever eaten in my life. You know, yeah. so you're never hungry. You were never, 
you slept like a rock, yeah. right? Because you worked so yeah. hard. And I don't know, I just, I, I loved that time in my life because that was the strongest I've ever been and I had the most fun working out. Oh, you what were just straight up beast. In your, yeah. in your firm career that uh, you started doing those shows? Oh, gosh, I did that in 2015. So I was owner of the gym. <laughs> I, I was crazy. I was owner of the gym. I would probably teach once a day, sometimes twice a day. And when we taught classes at the firm, we actually did the class mm-hmm. with, with the students. We didn't mm-hmm. just walk around and, you know, so I was getting in an hour of weight training and or cardio or combination of the two, um, every, almost every day. And then I would go and do my strength workouts in the iron gym with John in the afternoons right. and So, I mean, I was, I was, and, and I had two kids, and, you right. know, I mean, it was like at the craziest peak of life. Your but, classes had to be hitting you with questions all the time as your oh body my changed. Gosh. They were like, what are you doing? I mean, because I got shredded real fast. Right. But also, no alcohol. Right. No mm-hmm. nastiness, no sugar, no pro- you know, processed foods. But then they would see me, like, stuff my face constantly. <laughs> I mean, I'm eating chicken yeah. constantly. Yeah. I'm eating rice and sweet potatoes, and you know. Yeah. And so I kept telling them, it's just it's food and exercise, because I can't take um, fat burners or, mm-hmm. I might have a protein check occasionally, but I'm not a supplement person. Right, I'm not either. And um, I couldn't take any fat burners because they make me real jittery and mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. So when it came to like really dialing in, I had to eat asparagus as a diuretic because I couldn't take anything that would really, you know, mm-hmm. burn the fat off the top other than cardio and that, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah. like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just eating my weight and food and working out like a crazy person. Yeah. As you can see. So I think that that was a little motivating for some women so they could see that, okay, you don't have to do any drugs or some mm-hmm. kind of crazy mm-hmm. supplements. Or starve yourself, right? Starve That's yourself. really what they're oh, seeing, absolutely. right? Yeah. I mean, you, definitely, you can't starve yourself. No. Like no. You can't. You can't work in the mm-hmm. gym and work well if you're not eating. And I think and now food. we're sort of kind of realizing it too. But like, then again, a lot of celebrities and stuff are kind of into this now. But a lot of that's hormone too, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of that is hormone control. Oh my a, gosh. a lot of that is a lot of that because the reality is, is that if you have the hormones of a 20 year old, then the dieting part can be a little bit more shotgun approach, less, less surgery, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where, cause I'm seeing that now. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about this too. Um, I've been doing a lot of research recently with like, you know, hormone, like DHEA and stuff like that. And what I know is that women have about one twentieth of the testosterone production that men do. If men's testosterone is going down across the board, then women's are also plummeting as well. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, is that when ours tank, it's at one, it's 19 times the higher value. Right. So the effects are not as, you know, drastic mm-hmm. as when it changes for women. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like, and what's crazy is that no one kind of talks about that. No, and they don't, well, because it's one of those things that as women age, you're just supposed to be okay with getting weaker and getting that belly, the mm-hmm. menopause belly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, there's, and there's nothing you can do to stop menopause. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's all going to age. Um, but there is this huge market now, the anti-aging market. And it's not necessarily a lot of it is the Botox and the skin and the aesthetics, but a lot of it is growth hormone, testosterone for women, Yeah. which there's, there's no marketing on too. I don't see it that uh, often. I would love to see more on testosterone supplementation of some sort for women. women. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's a, so I think there's a lot of science that's starting to be published right. that's more in favor. You know, prior yeah. to, what, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. no, 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 you're going to get cancer. Right. Don't you? Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. now it's like, okay, maybe hormone, you know, HRT for women mm-hmm. has always been kind of taboo. You know, like you mm-hmm. had to be off of it by a certain age or you could get cancers. And now they're saying it's not nearly 
as dangerous as they thought it was. Yeah. And, and it depends on... Well, because they were correlating ovarian cysts and ovarian cancer and with that. But cancers. Yeah, right, right, right. But it was pretty shaky at best mm-hmm. from the start for that information. Well, and, you know, there's estrogen-fed cancers, right? So right. So putting estrogen in the body. When your body is designed to stop producing estrogen at a certain point in time, mm-hmm. and you keep giving your body estrogen, well, of course, estrogen-fed cancers can go up because you're giving your body estrogen for longer periods of time. Yeah. Okay. That's common sense. Yeah. But I don't think there's more. I think science has decided there's not more of a risk of, like, if you don't have the gene, if you don't have any other risk factors for cancer, you being on HRT is not as dangerous as previously thought. You're not at huge risk of developing breast cancer or uterine cancer just because you're taking hormones up until your 50s or even in your 60s, I guess. And again... It's, I'm not a doctor, but definitely. Right, right, right. And again, we'll make that no clear. We are we are just people shooting the shit, yeah, right? Read the science. <laughs> read the go science. To your doctor go to sure. PubMed. Do more than um, PubMed research. Yes, yeah, yeah, please. yeah. Yes, talk to your, your GYN. I think what's so disheartening, though, for me, because I see this across the board, is that so many people are willing to go the antidepressant route mm. first before oh, anything God. else, and it destroys your body. So I will give me a little personal here. Nope. Um, no, it's fine. Okay, so I've had some ovarian issues throughout my life after mm-hmm. having children. And it's probably 12 years ago now. I can't remember the year. But I had an ovarian cyst. Didn't realize I had it. I just started feeling weird and um, just couldn't get through a class. So having to, you know, around the restroom, I thought I had a UTI. Long story right. short, I had a giant ovarian cyst. Huh. And never had any problems in my life. But the, the ovary had to come out with it. And my doctor said, you will have no issues. You're young. You have a perfectly functioning ovary over here. Mm -hmm. No problems. And so didn't think anything of it. And I wasn't on birth control or anything like that. Um, So about two months, I guess, after that surgery, I woke up one day and was not myself. Hmm. Totally not myself. I did not like people. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I looked at my husband and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but something is wrong with me. And he was like, do we need to go see someone? And I kept thinking, I'll just write it out. And it lasted about two weeks. And I'm very much of the mindset that I don't get up on the wrong side of bed. Right, as my mom would right. say, you know, yeah. I mean, I get up and I'm a happy human and you make the best of your day. Mm-hmm. And even if something doesn't go well, I get over it and move on. It does not. Yeah. I don't care. My it. day. Yeah. I could not make myself happy. I could not get over whatever this was. It turns out my estrogen had bottomed out. Oh. And in two weeks, I mean, just went back to normal. And I was back to normal and I felt fine. Like I woke up and was totally fine. Yeah. So I talked to my OB and she's like, oh yeah, you just had a really low dip. And I'm like, this is what happens to women in menopause. When Mm -hmm. their estrogen just tanks, Mm -hmm. they think they're going crazy. Yeah. And they feel terrible. No, they just need a little bit of help to even things out. And they need to exercise. They need those endorphins like pumping through their body. So I told my husband, I said, so when 20 years from now, when I go through menopause, I'm not crazy. I do still love you. (laughs) And uh, don't, don't put me on anything crazy. Just take me to the OB and tell her that I need a little estrogen and make sure I get to the gym because that was a very eye-opening because you hear about, you know, midlife crisis yeah, men absolutely. and all these women leaving their husbands in their 50s and their 60s. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think that, I think a lot of it is the, the you know, dip in the estrogen levels because it really does affect your brain. Yeah. And the depression. And again, my, my research is kind of limited, but um, I know that DHEA, which does convert to testosterone or, estro- or estrogen, that depletes after your 20s every 10 years by, a, I think, about like 10%. Wow. Right? So it's one of those things where it's like your estrogen is depleting, but just like anything else with the androgen response, your testosterone is affected with that too. 
So it's just, it's crazy what that does. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder if like, cause I, like I said, I've been experimenting more with it and mm-hmm. my mood has been way more elevated recently. I feel like, and obviously this is a super like, like risky blanket statement, but how much of the depression cases that we have in America are hormone related? Oh, I would say more than yeah. half. I yeah. And if you think about um, the COVID, you know, the two mm-hmm. years of COVID. The isolation, yeah. The isolation. Yeah. All the gyms being closed. Yeah. You can't get out and do anything. And not that, you know, everybody who went to the gym now can't go to the gym has depression, but just think about how many of those people that were used to having an active lifestyle yeah. and now all of a sudden are stuck in their homes. How many of those that mm-hmm. developed depression could have not been put on that med yeah. and just got, you know, been given, here's an empty gym, just go blow off some steam yeah. or something, you know, just, it really does make you wonder. What, what really, and again, this is coming from my generation's viewpoint, but what really does suck is that, that isolation, that physical isolation is really just the last, the last gasp of already a highly isolated society, right? Like my generation is so dedicated to finding like-minded people that are across the U.S. or across the world rather than interacting with those that are close to them. And the reality is, is that that is not the same. The endorphins that you get from seeing somebody else's face emoting, you know, things like that or just having good food with people and things like that, that just, doesn't exist for people a lot of people in my yeah. generation and it's human painful interac- human interaction in general yeah is, i mean and you can look at our children and see you know mm-hmm. everybody's in their phones yeah like, they date yeah. It's on snapchat yeah, yeah. and instagram and, right you know i mean it's shocking yeah how things have changed yeah but yeah yes. so kind of going back to the that viewpoint i think the problem is is that because we have commoditized that the idea of acceptance we've somehow subconsciously gotten rid of it in our every everyday life. Like it's gotten to the point where if you talk to your spouse, that was a lot of communication in a day Mm -hmm. because everything has gotten so isolated to where you have select. I mean, and again, it's, it's because everything's instant, right? I have a discord group that I can talk to about fitness at any point. You guys didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Like I can literally just go in there and type in any question or any conversation piece that I want to start and you guys just didn't have that. So it's like, if I want that instant gratification, I have it there. I don't have to parse through. And again, why is the politics angle of it so dangerous right now? Because you're in a group of like-minded people already. So all it does is reinforce your observer's bias, yeah. right? Well, exactly. that's at every single field. Yeah. That's oh, not absolutely. only in politics. That's in science. That's everything. in sports. Right. That's in religion. So that's in everything. non-biased information? Or where can you find information that actually actively creates, uh, you know, creates, um, good conversation, good conversation, <laughs> critical thinking, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just yeah. gone, yeah. right? It truly is. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult. Like right now, if I decided to go, and again, it's funny because we're in this industry, but if I said, Hey, my deadlift feels a little bit off. Like, what do you guys think I should do? I'll get hit with four videos I've already seen. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we all see it all. Right. You know, it's, it, there's already a bias there to think that that is the way to go. And of course, in something like that, it's correct, but you put that in a political lens and you see how dangerous that gets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that's really what it is. I think a lot of people need instant social gratification because everything else is instant. So why wouldn't that also be instant? Right. Well, you know, on the social end of it, uh, you know, I grew up, I didn't grow up, I guess it was a neighborhood. I mean, it was a street. There were houses up and down the street. But it wasn't subdivisions. It's just people built in this in an area. Mm-hmm. And there was a 
I guess it was a park. It had a baseball field and then just a bunch of open ground after that. The kids from the area we met, and this is, you know, anywhere from teenagers down to where I was at, like seven years old, eight years old. We all met over there, as long as we weren't in school, every day. And we played. Mm-hmm. We played baseball. We played football. We played basketball. We played sneak up on the girls that were hanging out over yeah. there in the corner. We were doing, we did everything. Yeah. We did everything we, we could, but that was our social network. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we went to school. You know, you had your friends at school. Um, now, I'm not in high schools and middle schools these days, so I don't know how they're they react, but I guess, you know, it seems like they, everywhere I see them, they're, they're on the phone, the face down on the phone, on the phone. all the time. I don't know. I don't know how the communication is between the these kids anymore. So the moment they leave the classroom, they pull it out and check it. Right. The, you know, because the, they have to have some snaps. Right. Yeah. So right. Not, yeah. My kids are on Snapchat. Oh, I'm yeah. Snapchat. They, uh, she snapped me. Okay. Uh, well, the, the good news is, is that that's not necessarily dead, right? Because like with me, I'm a guy that, that kind of grew up in that generation. We would just meet on game lobbies, but we would all play with each other mm-hmm. and we all knew each other in real life. So we'd still have conversation. We'd shoot the shit bullshit all the fucking time, you know, mm-hmm. do all that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily dead. The problem is oh, ju- when you go a little bit outside of that, Yeah, that's where everything else is commoditized and curated. And the most dangerous part is that that group of our guys talking on a video game or whatever, mm-hmm. There's control there because it's just based off of us. We're the only ones giving each other stimuli. And of course we're saying some not chill stuff, but yeah. that's just, that's, the, that's what guys do, right? Yeah. But right outside of that squ- circle, now you have a world that is produced to you by an algorithm mm-hmm. and you start seeing the things that you like and it starts to learn about you. Yep. And so it knows exactly how to hack into your brain to give you endorphin rushes, uh, because it knows exactly what you like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's so scary. I mean, you just nailed it. The algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. it that's it. That's it. That's I mean, the master. That's the master computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, what's so scary about that is that the algorithm is based around corporate interests in the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes it so scary because I mean, and again, I, I I don't mind going deep into this because you know it's like one of those honesty things, but. Like the gay pride parade, for example, right? Mm-hmm. MasterCard started backing that fully, and that's when that became huge, right? Because that company decided that that in my in my opinion, I don't think they're I don't think that entity cares about anybody, right? It's an entity. It's created to make money. I don't know. I don't think it hates anybody either, but it's there to make money. Uh, so money, one hundred percent. So what people are starting to do, what companies are realizing, is that the straight male white pie is not enough. Mm-hmm. What if we took all of it by insisting on a new moral fabric in America, mm-hmm. right? And it's all profit driven. In the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think it's acceptance driven or hate driven. I think it's profit driven. If you look at almost any problem in, in, in society, there's always a socioeconomic answer, yeah. right? So it sucks that that is our, like our quote unquote masters. Now, that was a little bit of a heavier segment. So we're kind of going to, so, so we're kind of going to go back. Woo, I need a break. <laughs> so we're kind of going to go back to it, but actually it's interesting because that does open a little bit of a door. I feel like you guys were right at the cusp of female performance becoming integrated into society. But what's crazy is that social media seems to be pushing the opposite yet again. No longer are they. Because now we know that there's a group of women out there 
who are titans within the industry. We talked about it earlier, right? But more than ever now, there's more ass and titty models and things like that now than ever there was before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a digression into the 80s marketing yet again. You take what, the Kardashians. Do, right. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's what oh, it is. Man, like, yeah. You, know, you take these, this ideal figure, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. They Marketing has said this is the ideal figure. Mm-hmm. So now it's about going and getting... Butt implants. But, but what's crazy is that they'll never admit that. Never it admit is that, right? it is all work, exercise, eating right, you know, all that stuff. Not the, see, not the lipo and the, you know. Not even. Not, see, my thing is that. Kardashians had some work on the high end. Oh. Never. <laughs> Newsflash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the sad thing, though, is like, so for my girls, for example, they're mm-hmm. 17 and 18. And I do feel like, so far... We have created an environment at our house that, you know, it's not about looking good Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, granted, you do want to stay fit, but it's about health. You know, and you eat a certain way because you want to be healthy. Not because I'm saying you can't have cake, but you can't have cake for three meals a day. You know, you need to pair that with some broccoli and (laughs) something else. You know, but, you know, there's, there's a way that we live so that it builds up our children. You know, it makes them feel like, okay... The way I look here is not the sole the sole meaning of me, you know. Like, I, yeah, this doesn't define like, what I yeah. am. And, and I feel like most high schoolers, because I don't say so strictly because of the Kardashians, but that mindset mm-hmm. has been pushed on them. Oh, yeah. from the time that they were ten, like about when they hit puberty, yep. up through high school, they know nothing else. And if you look at the high school level girls' Instagram and the way that they pose mm-hmm. and the things that they wear. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind because mm-hmm. they know more about how to be sexy yeah. and how to be alluring than we ever did oh, yeah. at that age. And they don't even understand what sexuality is, honestly. No. You don't know that until you're an adult and you've experienced sex in the way mm-hmm. that it should be with your spouse or whomever. Mm-hmm. You know, but in my opinion, they don't understand sexuality yet. They know how to market it. Market it because mm-hmm. it's been shoved down their throats from the time that they right. got their first right. time. And they're, they're, so just, they're just mocking what they see and they don't yeah. understand what they have no idea. Yeah. Really. Right. And I'm so, th- I'm thankful that my girls so far haven't put those pictures out there. They haven't done that, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard to combat that. Oh when, yeah. I mean, all your friends are, oh, you know, yeah. everything is posed. And it's and everywhere. Is, TikTok, oh, it's Snapchat, so when they yeah. do the snaps, um, Instagram, you just name it. It's, it's out there. I, you know, what's crazy to me too is that like, and again, we talked about this earlier with like Hollywood, right? Like as a trainer, as somebody who trains, as somebody who trains probably on a journeyman level, not even an advanced level like me, right? You look at something like the Kardashians and you know those proportions don't make sense. Right. No. You can't have a ass like that with no, legs that, that thin. Not, no. You know? And it's just one of those things where it's like so obvious to us, but it's like, how does the world not understand that, right? Yeah, no, And I, I guess that's performance. I came up through the kind of the classic era of, of bodybuilding mm-hmm. and, and the women's side, um, there wasn't swimsuit and, and mm-hmm. fitness and the other divisions. It was, it, it was Rachel McClish and, uh, some of those girls that had fabulous bodies that were muscular, not overly muscular, but now they've become, some of them have become like brutes. I mean, they are yeah. they got, mass monsters. Oh, yeah. they are huge, but you can't blame that on them because that's what the market deemed right. important. Oh, no, no doubt. The evolution though. Now, you know, like bikini fitness, physique, right. bodybuilding, what used to be fitness is now bikini. Yeah. And it, these girls, shifted. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, bikini used to be tits and ass. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, it used to yeah, be you had a tiny waist and yeah. a big boobs and a flat stomach and yeah. long legs. Cause that's what you're supposed to be a bikini model. Right. But now you're fitness and then fit, you know, 
fitness is now physique or mm-hmm. even bigger. I mean, these are yeah. large women. Yeah. They're yeah. no longer. Yeah. And it's the symmetry. It's, you know, which the, is beautiful. Yeah, because oh yeah, because I, I can't. Like I said, I came from that classic Just era, not. and you know, I look at shoulder width to hip width mm-hmm. to what kind of sweeps you have in your quads and your hamstrings, and if that ass is bulged out so far that I can put a drink on it, that to me that doesn't that doesn't fit a a symmetrical style that seems to be super acceptable today and mm-hmm. and and desired. Yeah. Uh, to where I just I don't know it's, it's almost a deformation of what the physical body was supposed to look like. Well, and I think this I might be good. I might not should say this, but I can't help. Say it. So hey. we have the bodybuilding. You know, you went on that end, but then we also have obesity. Right. And somehow we have got into this. We we praise this mm-hmm. that they're comfortable being 600 pounds mm-hmm. or 400 pounds. Oh, yeah. And so... Yeah, I knew we were going to have to get into this conversation well, sooner or later. So, so. Like, you just mentioned, like, the having the big butt, it, it doesn't fit the aesthetic right. or the symmetry. You're so, saying there's both extremes. There's both extremes. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, okay, yeah, love your curves. Like, you're given a genetic mm-hmm. makeup, right? And you can only do so much with it. Yeah. Right? You can't... I mean, I will never look like Kate Bosworth or, you know, or, or Kardashian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's certain things you cannot do to your body. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, when you do have curves in certain places, all you can do is what I tell my kids, you can just make your strong your body as strong as it can possibly be. Work as with healthy it. as it is. There you go. But to try to create something that's not normal is where I, I guess I'm going with this. Like the the bodybuilding, you know, to create something that's so out of place mm-hmm. and make that normal, that's what we've done with obesity. This is out of place. This is not healthy. This is not Yes, we should love these people and create space for these people and give yes. them give yeah. them places to go to get healthier and not shame them in any way. But at the same time, they have to understand that this is not normal and healthy. Yeah. We should not aim for this. So I'm going to be kind of the woke uh, the, the the woke uh, devil's advocate here. But just like how we talked about how CrossFit kind of became a thing because it was necessary within the market, I don't necessarily blame that movement on the people. The problem is, is that for the longest time, everybody has a specific naturalized size and there was only one that was accepted within Hollywood. There was one, maybe two. And I do agree with you there. Yeah. I do agree with you there. So it is really one of those things where what we have to understand is that figure is is what you kind of start at. Uh-huh. And then the weight gain or weight loss is where you're at. Because I know plenty of women who wear a bigger pant size that look amazing, right. that look that look completely just breathtaking. But that's because that's the size that they started at and they had no representation. So this is the market that sort of started, yeah? I hear you, yes. But what about – what I'm saying is – we idolize this my six hundred pound life, mm-hmm. like these TV shows right. that are like I am this way and I You're love right. and that show with the bariatric doctor that yeah 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 is that the my six the biggest pound loser life? I don't know the one where they go get surgery and they can't even move mm-hmm. and they're put on a bed oh oh yeah 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 you know yeah and, like, we that is my six hundred pound life whatever think, yeah. oh and the the, uh, the one the girl there's a girl and she's I don't know it's just something I just feel like. We as a society have gone like to too far extremes. We we've missed out on health and wellness. It's not you know it's about either the way you look, Kardashian wise, making your body look abnormal and so yeah. shape or form, or we're saying you know what, 
Mm-hmm. Just eat. Yeah. Just get fat. Yeah. Everybody loves you anyway. Right. And that's not healthy. That is not the mindset that we want our children to have. That's not the mindset that you know adults should have. Heart disease follows. Type 2 diabetes follows. All kinds of health issues. And I feel like as a society, we're too afraid to say that's not right. I you know, agree 100%. We're too afraid to hurt someone's feelings. <laughs> yeah. That's and, even... and I totally understand your point about, you know, there has never been a larger woman represented. And I'm all about that. Like the Victoria's Secret swimsuit models walking down the string bikinis that are, you know, plus size models. Awesome. But hopefully they exercise some. And hopefully they're trying to stay healthy and they're not glorifying the fact that they're 150 pounds well, overweight. And just to yeah. solidify my, right. just to solidify my position, I think the problem isn't necessarily marketing, although that is a big part of it. I think it's the issue is, is that health and wellness is not really health and wellness, right? When you break yeah. it down, the problem is, is that how do you define health, right? Is it longevity? Is it is it value of life? You know what I'm saying? Absence of disease. Absence of disease is a great and, one. And those people will not be absent of disease. And I agree There's with not you. One human that- I think the difficulty is, is that we are just recently now surmising that it's not about fitting a specific figure. It's about being the most optimal you you could be. Absolutely. And I think that conversation has never been had until very recently. And that's kind of why all this other stuff has started. Because the reality is, is that the complete opposite of that also exists. And we have to talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. People who are so skinny, people oh, who are yeah. so low in weight that yeah. they are, that they are anemic, that they are iron deficient, that mm-hmm. they have bone marrow or bone disease, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I think both of those are symptoms of the system that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, just to the next part, you said that you think that that has to be corrected, right? Or, or at the very least, brought up that conversation needs to be talked about i think absolutely yeah i think that we're at a place where like for instance i mean i heard from a friend whose husband's a doctor you know there's 500 pound patients about to be vented Mm -hmm. in the hospital because of covid and he wasn't allowed to say your obesity is the problem Mm -hmm. because that's fat shaming no that is a problem Mm -hmm. that is a i mean this is a and that's in the medical field. Well, yeah. it's everywhere. But you're not allowed to say that. We're mm-hmm. supposed to embrace the fact that you are 150, 200, 300 pounds overweight and just love your curves. No. Love your curves only goes so far. This is not healthy. Right. And as health and wellness people, we need to be open to having these people come into our facilities or training these mm-hmm. people and get more you know, knowledge and, and, and specialized training on training these people because they can't move like we normally would move. Yeah. But we also need to teach them that you don't have to be this way. You know, you don't, I mean, granted there right. probably is some genetic predisposition right. to them being much heavier, but there yeah. is a way to be healthier. And as a society, we cannot talk about it because it's shaming and it's not thought the case. I mean, why would you tell someone you, you don't smoke those cigarettes? It's going to give you lung cancer. Mm-hmm. That's not shaming. That's telling them that yeah. they're going to get sick. So what's don't keep, 200 pounds of extra body weight on you. Yeah. It's not shaming. That's going to make you sick. Yeah. Heart disease. What's so difficult, I, I think, agree. about that conversation, too, is that um, our our approach to fat loss is, is, is a little bit – I think it's a little bit archaic in a lot of ways, too. Um, but I think the most difficult part is that, you know, and I talked about this a lot with you, but, like, for example – when I look at my culture, my people's culture, right? We have a food culture, mm-hmm. right? We have a food culture based around tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for example, Koreans, they have a ton of sodium in their diet. 
Um, so that's kind of a negative, but the general like health and wellness when it comes to having a healthier gut microbiome and stuff like that, that's enforced by our history. Mm-hmm. With America, that's gone. Yeah. That's completely gone. Right. So now all the foods are high pro, no, there's no way you can't really get high, like processed foods if you decide to go out today, right? Yeah. So it's like, something. and again, and I, and I completely, I completely do, I agree 100% with your viewpoint. It is a giant problem within the industry that seems to only be getting worse mm-hmm. to a degree. But at the same time, it's like so difficult to be in that position. And to kind of come back, to crawl back from that area, to come back when nothing in our society supports it. Right. You know what I mean? And I totally, yeah. I totally our work schedule doesn't support it. Our food culture doesn't support it. Our geography doesn't even support it. So so what do we do? I mean, you, you know, all these memes going around about COVID, you know, it, it, and COVID and a thousand other things. But the past two years, the government, you know, started pushing vaccines down your throat. Right. They did mm-hmm. nothing to talk about. Get outside and walk. Eat well. You know, get up and move. Walk up and down your stairs if you can't get outside. Yeah. But do something to increase your health and wellness rather than relying on a drug. And yeah. that's, again, part of marketing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at TV, all yeah, you see 100%. is drugs. You know, I, if I don't feel well, I'll take this drug. And this drug has side effects. So I'll take another drug. And then I'll take another drug for that drug. And then you got polypharmacy before you know it. Mm-hmm. And you're on 15 different meds. And you can't get off. Mm-hmm. And then it just adds more weight gain. You know, and it's, it's really sad, but... I don't know anyone that's going to be able to change it other than like the health and wellness industry. We're going to have to be the ones that say, that step up and say, no more saying that this is good, mm-hmm. that you look good, mm-hmm. that we're supporting you. No, you need to get your butt in the gym with us and let us help you learn to be healthy. No, I, I agree. You know, I, we're, I mean, we're an accepting group. I yeah. mean, I've never, I've never declined to try to help somebody. If they, if they honestly came to me, and said, wow, I need to lose some weight or I need to have better cardio. I got tired walking to my mailbox. What can I do? Right. I'll yeah. help you. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're here for. That's what we do. Yeah. And, and, and we just getting away from it. Just like Emily said, we're so, we want to be so accepting because we can't, we can't, can't, hurt, can't hurt anybody's feelings. I don't care if it's with weight loss or because you're a terrible athlete, but we got to play everybody on the team. Right. Um, or, you know, in education, if I don't care if you don't go to half your classes and you don't turn in any work, we can't keep you back a grade because you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. We got to keep you going. And just to go back on your point about us having to be the ones or at least the health and wellness having to be the ones to kind of make that change. I want you I want the audience to really focus with me on this one. But we just had a global pandemic and no one's talking about health care. Not a soul. Think about that Not for a second. A we that would be like if you, as a patient, had cancer in ninety nine percent of your body, and the doctor said we don't need to talk, talk about treatment of the cancer, right? Like, like literally, we've had more reason now than to talk about like having better health care, and that conversation isn't even coming up. Well, it always bothers me that when you have a, a astronomical problem, and the people pounding the problem are also the ones trying to sell you the cure or exactly. the solution. Yeah. There's a problem there. Oh, yeah. Money. It goes yeah. right back to our, your previous point. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always a socioeconomic always reason, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's, and the sad thing is, I think the majority of our healthcare industries are owned by the pharmaceutical companies. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, they're, it's, they're it's, making money off the drugs that are being sold. And if no one's sick, no one's using the drugs. Right. So keep everyone sick. Right. Yeah. It, it really did kind of, I mean, I understand to a point. Of why they how they wanted to 
because they didn't know anything about this COVID thing, really. It was all brand new, even though they came out with all the answers. Uh, they still tried to, uh, you know, shut places down to keep contact at a minimum. But um, but when you do the best you can at a, a, at a health and fitness facility to make thing, make sure things are sanitized, make sure people have, you know, as safe a place as they can possibly come to, you just don't want to turn people away no. from movement and and exercise and uh, some kind of antidepressant. Oh know, my god! I know. I know. Nuts. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy is that again, um, and this is by no means a solution, but within my culture, when I was a kid, I remember I grew up with my aunt because um, my mom had to work, and so I grew up with my aunt and uh, her husband. He would wake up in the morning, he would turn on the TV, and what would be there but a government-sponsored calisthenic routine. Oh. Right. That you would do every morning. You would stretch every morning, get the blood flow going, and then you go to work. Right. That? I'm not saying that Korea is a bastion of health. It's not. Salesmen die from alcoholism <laughs> and uh, overeating red meat at like 55 all the time. Yeah. But at least there was that. At least there they're trying yeah, a little. Something. At least there's a sprinkling of right. give a shit. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. You know, I mean, can you imagine if instead of I mean, obviously we need great insurance for drugs because some people are on them. But instead of giving so much help with drugs, why don't you give people, you know, $50 in their pocket towards their gym membership? Yeah. I mean, there's what, maybe two companies that do that? Yeah. And you have to be working for a large corporation to get that benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, why not, you know, help people in that respect if they're not going to put calisthenics on the TV in the morning? You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, give some, give people some money no, to help that'd them. That'd be a great Well, benefit. and the thing yeah. is, is for me, uh, in Korea, again, another thing was, I think they, and I don't remember exactly because I, I, I don't know 100%, but there was public spaces that had pull-up bars that yeah. had body weight equipment, you know, machines were like a rower where yeah. it basically has an elevated seat that raised you up and stuff. Like that was, an, there was an incentive there to create those things. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I mean, we don't have any of that here. Mm-hmm. Again, for us, and, and this is what's so difficult is that we, we, we like to think that we are one of the most health conscious nations that there is. But when you look at the options, Planet Fitness is the only option for somebody who is, you know, who is like, who needs the cheap option to be able to work out. And even then, like, they're going to lift on a Smith machine, man. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of instruction are they getting? None. Yeah, that's that's But at the same time, it's like, well, they're moving. Yeah. Yeah. And they might not be moving if they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Just like curves. Yeah. And I think really what you have to look at our industry as is it's the counterculture to what America kind of supported as the first world lifestyle, right? Like the first world lifestyle was having food available to you at any time, Mm -hmm. being able to just call it up. It comes to you or whatever. So I think fitness in America as a culture, which I think we actually have some of the best fitness culture in the world. I truly do believe that. Now we have major faults. Mm -hmm. But if you look at anybody else on social media, they're always going to be following some type of American doing some type of exceptional workout, some type of exceptional lift somewhere in their background, you know? And I just wish that was more supported, I guess, you know? Overall. Yeah. yeah. Overall. And I, you know, it is, it is a counterculture to the regular culture, I think a little bit. I agree. Yeah. Putting things out like the tsunami bar. And, <laughs> oh, going okay, back to that quick, yeah. we're only we're only like an hour and a half in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, putting things in people's hands. If yes, you can't get to a facility. There you yeah. go. I mean, it gives them an option. Yeah, you know, you know that, and that does. Um, and it was, I'll just 
you know, talk about, um, you know, the, the multi-sticks, um, which you've had some experience with. This doesn't get much simpler than mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Just to get some movement, uh, to have some something that can that can work against uh, your body to a degree, not to where it's um, overly bearing, uh, but it forces you to put some muscular activity into it to to, uh, to generate some force or some speed or some range of motion that can get blood flow to the extremities, elevate your heart rate, and you can do it for a short amount of time, and you can get a benefit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it doesn't have to be really complicated. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, even though you've done, you know, workout programs that were highly advanced. I've done them. Byung's done them. Andrew's done them. But um, it doesn't have to be that way for that for that group of people over here mm -hmm. that won't that won't seem to catch on. Uh, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of that stops people too, right? A lot of people, I think, you know, l look at a gym and go, "Well, if I can't have a power rack, why even work out?" Right. You know, and the reality is, is that uh, that's that's a, that's a that's a defeatist viewpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, they're looking for an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You can make anything work yeah. for you if you're yeah. if you're yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because we talked about this, but when I started, I didn't have any equipment. When I started, the equipment market was you either bought bullshit for five hundred dollars, right. or you bought the greatest equipment you could buy for a, for like. 6,000. Right. Yeah. Right. There was no in-between market like it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no home gyms really right. like it is now. Right. Um, you have to do plyometrics, body weight yeah. stuff, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> water <laughs> bottle, water <laughs> bottle, some curl bars, yeah. you know, some I, towels, I man. That period. I mean, I've, yeah. I've had the greatest equipment around me and I've had periods of time when I didn't have much. Mm -hmm. I had, um, you know, I do push-ups on a floor. Yeah. Um, I would do, um, um, you know, some kind of resistance inside of a door frame. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went out and bought, I don't know if anybody would remember this, Corey Everson. I remember that name. Oh, she had a little step and I oh. went. And got it. Yeah. So I would do things. That was my aerobic work in a little small space. Yeah. You know, getting up and down on a step. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and I ate well. And for a period of time there, even though I wasn't as big or muscular or strong as I might have been in other parts of my life, I was in really good shape. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that you don't have to have a lot. Well, and I think also people forget, but that's the way you're supposed to train. You generalize first. You specialize second, yeah. man. Like if you don't do some bullshit pull-up push-up program yeah. in your youth and you decide, I'm going to start benching, yeah. you're doing yourself a major disservice. Yeah. You got to do that first because the reality is, is what is that doing? It's tempering your desire. It's tempering your knowledge first, secondly. And really by the time you're there, because you did that, you know, you still want it. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know. I just, it's crazy to me that because the reality is, is that like, again, we talked about that before about not having access to a gym, but the reality is, is that that should never stop you. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, the first time I ever felt my quads burn. Mm-hmm. I remember to this day, I was 10 and I was, at, I was on the swim team because that's what we did during the summer. You had no choice. Yeah. I was so dangerous, like, all, all summer. And we were at practice. And I had a kickboard and we're just doing flutter kicks down and my thighs were on fire. Oh and my I goodness. Oh it. yeah. I loved it. And I'm like, mean, what kid loves that bird? You know? uh, I don't know anybody. I remember in high school, you know, getting on a leg machine and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah. This is the first time I've been in How the gym working yeah. out in high school. And that's, you know, that. Those little things ignited. That's a great one right uh, there. Good yeah. story. But I mean, but you know, just move it. Move do you do you remember your first like piece of equipment that you used? You think? Because oh, I think yeah. mine was, 
I had a friend's dad who had a Bullflex. Yeah. And in his in his in his garage. And I remember trying it out and I was like, I kinda like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. In a weird, oh. sick way. Well, I think he <laughs> is, So you're gonna laugh, but so his son was a football player, so he had those like Really shitty cap weight plates, like yeah. the like the one inch bar, oh, yeah. and stuff. That's and what I. That was my first. Piece. That was your first one too. Yeah, it was a piece of rebar Look with an aluminum sleeve over oh, it. Look at and those <laughs> and those cement filled plastic encased weights that had a hole in them. Like about that. Yeah. Dude, I think like man, and I'm not there yet, but it's heartbreaking to hear like a family member of yours compare themselves to like a prime, and there's nothing you can do to help them. Right. You know, and I and I and I've. And I've visually seen that, right? Like my mom, my mom and like a lot of my family members, like, you know, they're all about exercising. They're all about losing weight and stuff like that. But to a degree, that's almost a defeatist, like the defeatist angle they hit where it's like, I'll never look like that again. You know, well, the technology is getting better and better and better. Oh, as far as anti-aging goes? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be a time, maybe not in my lifetime, but it's coming uh, to where, you know, it'd be like a Star Trek episode where dot bones gets over you and run some kind of scanner over you and mm-hmm. you look completely different yeah 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 it's difficult man it's you know it's funny because in a weird way we already have that now yeah like that exists within the digital world right now as is yeah. you can oh, yeah. be anybody within the digital right. sphere but the question is is that does is that helping these people no no, no. but then that's it's kind of what motivates them or not motivates them to to do something about it yeah. because they can create what they want right. through a digital platform well, it's yeah the filters yeah you know, you oh yeah of course yeah on their pictures yeah no one everyone's afraid to look like themselves yeah yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to etch out any imperfection because we are a professional society yeah. and you have to look as young and as tight as possible i used i used to joke that like uh, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a multimedia guy, right? So I used to joke that being able to use like Photoshop was legitimately as close to learning magic in our like everyday world yeah. as you could. Mm-hmm. And now everybody has access to it to a degree mm-hmm. and it's only going to get more and more seamless and more and more smarter. And Oh, I know. My girls will say, look, she photoshopped. The prime and of you. Her arm will be out of place. Because oh, my she goodness. Because she tried to photoshop a smaller waist and moved her arm. And, I, mean, holy and I don't think we considered, we didn't, we never considered the ramification of that, right? Not only now are we commodifying youth, but even the youthful are deciding that they have to be more youthful. Yeah. That's insane. Oh, High schoolers are the youngest people. They're not even in their physical prime, yeah. and yet somehow they have to go back in time. Yeah, I don't, That's think, insane. I don't think I had any consciousness of uh-uh. of anything like that. I knew that I knew that as a late late teen, 19 into my early 20s that I I wanted to be more muscular. Mm-hmm. I wanted cuz I was kind of done playing uh, so I needed an, a different outlet, uh, mm-hmm. an athletic outlet, and I chose that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we didn't have we didn't have digital information back then, so it was a muscle and fantasy magazine, mm-hmm. uh, muscle and fitness, I guess, but <laughs> muscle and fantasy. Um, You're not far off though. <laughs> no, but that's what you know. That's what we went yeah. by. So we, I just wanted to wanted to look like some of those guys. And then to your point earlier, I got in that I got in that gym. And I was motivated by everybody that was better than me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went in there and my goal that day was to whip somebody's ass on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times I failed in the beginning, but I kept chopping that wood. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, at some point I climbed that ladder to where then I was the target for yeah. the newer people coming in. Yeah. But then, but back to another point you made, I was welcome to help them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was good. I want, you know, I want you to, to strive to, to mm-hmm. come get me. Let's go get it. What's so scary to me now is that like, and I don't, and I, and again, I don't, I don't know if people realize this or not, but you know, there's a whole digital, um, economy based around powerlifting based around strength, based around bodybuilding, based around all that. And what's crazy to me is that what they're trying to do is replicate that, mm-hmm. the camaraderie that exists in a gym, but oh, they're, God. but they're forgetting that that requires a gym. Yeah. yeah. And so they're destroying those yeah. and just kind of building yeah. that now. Now, good side is, is that there is technically that same level of camaraderie. Well, not same level, but that spark of that camaraderie online. Now you don't have to go to a gym. You could work out from home and compete against other people that are online. Yep. The issue though is that you guys did shit outside of the gym. Oh, right after we were done, it was to the Hojo's or mm-hmm. someplace that had a buffet. Well, you create a yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what our society is missing. People don't create relationships mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's really sad because that's the joy of life, right? That's yeah. the highs and the lows we were talking about earlier. 100%. You know, where the endorphins come from. And just, I mean, life is about the people around you. Yeah. You know? and, and those people make or break your life, really. You yeah. Know, you surround yourself with yeah. people that you want to be your with. Your circle. If you don't make relationships, then what do you have? And you know what the, the scariest part about it is, is that corporations understand to a degree that that's the one thing they can't produce. Right. Because they'll do these things where it's like, come to Chase Bank. You can have a coffee and talk to these people and people hate it. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like they try so hard yeah. to come up with ways to commodify it, but it's just not possible. Mm-mm. You know, yeah. We, well, yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think it's sad. You know, oh, it's very sad. Going back to your talk earlier about playing outside and that I think is when you learn how to have interpersonal relationships with people. Oh, dispute oh, yeah. resolution, which was a fight? Yeah, our <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah. You know, do you have kids? No. No, okay. No. So, you know, my girls, they, they danced and played uh, yeah. and stuff when they were little, but they they were, like, on the cusp of that generation now where mm-hmm. they do nothing but sit on their phones. Yeah. And so they, they are on their phones a lot, but they also had a lot of outside uh, activities. But, I mean, I, I mean, we talked on the phone in middle school occasionally because that was a cool thing to do. But we were with people. Yeah. All, the time. all the time and these kids these days and, and, and adults too aren't with people and they didn't learn how to make those relationships they didn't learn how to have any sort of how to, how to work it out yeah. you know which is why we have these crazy yeah. you know yeah. well and again no one can have a and again, about opposing views it's crazy because it, it seems like it's not a big deal but it's when you look at the fact that like the majority of domestic terrorist attacks are now based around people who are isolated 20 something year old white men, mm. right? You gotta, you gotta understand that there is something there that we are failing. Yeah. You know yeah, what absolutely. I mean? Cause, cause by alienation. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. And, and again, with women, I still think that there is a ton of system catches almost that kind of make that not a thing because there's a community, whether online or offline for you guys that have that. But for men, it's like, we're on another level of isolation now mm-hmm. to a degree, you know. Well, and society too. So, and you probably feel this. When 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 working out or the gym business is your 
your business, mm-hmm. it's easy to work it in, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. what we do for yeah. a living. Yeah. But like my husband, he's in the banking industry. He works in an office all day. So yeah. he has to make a conscious decision to put his clothes in this car yeah. and hit Brick House at a certain time so he can get home for dinner at a certain time. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Oh, I know. And so for most men who are still the breadwinners of the family who normally don't work in a gym setting, I mean, it's that much harder. And women, too, yeah. who are full-time outside of the gym setting. Hard. It's hard to get that in. It it's is. It's got to be something that you really force. And if you don't have a group or a relationship with someone who's already at that facility to kind of draw you there, mm-hmm. to make you want to go, I mean, it's that much harder to get there. You know, mm-hmm. if there's not a class within the structure that you love yeah. or that, that yeah. competition, not let that yeah. one beat you, you know, there's got to be something that pulls you there. And obviously the outside motivation that you have to get mm-hmm. your stuff in the car to go. But it's just, it's hard. It's much harder these days. Oh, not only is it hard, but... Out, uh, more than anything, it's not supported. Again, we yeah. talked about how, you know, really when you think about it, fat loss is not really supported by the economy or the market that we have in play. Well, that type of res- that type of, you know, camaraderie is not also supported within this. Yeah. The, the reality is, is that the majority of people working at like a giant faceless corporation, if they could have you quite literally live there. They would, they would do it in a heartbeat. More productivity. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. Like, if you look at, if you read any of these, like, things about the Silicon Valley, like, uh, workplaces or the work schedule, they have, they're like, uh, you know, oh, after we, uh, work, we just have beers at the office and then we play foosball and shit. And it's like, they're just doing that so that they are, you are there all the time, you know, and that, that, that is your family. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that, that's what's so scary is that not only is your social interaction with friends now gone because it's sublimated into your job, but now it's your family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't get scarier than no. that. And what's crazy is that there's some commonality to that with the gym world, right? Because a lot of people will say at one point that gym was my family, uh-huh. right? Things uh-huh. like that. But at least there was a health outlook to that. Right. And at least like it wasn't based around work. Like just, yeah. just, a nine to five. Yeah. You know? Wasn't there, is it Sweden? I think it's Sweden or Holland or some country over there. They have a three day weekend, four day work oh. week, mm-hmm. and their work days end at three o'clock. How nice will that be? Like yeah, that. I think so. And they'll take, in that work day, still take a two hour lunch. Wow. And they have better productivity. They've done tests. They've got better productivity than. United States. Mm-hmm. People working, you know, seven to seven. Right. Five, six days a week. And again, with no in the end of the day, like when you look at a statistic like that, it's so easy to just be able to think. Like if you just critically look at that, you're, you're kind of thinking, your thinking is, is like, all right, human relation is what, what promotes better business, better productivity, almost across the yeah. board. And yet we try to isolate that, right? Like in Korea, um, a student is expected to go to school Monday to Friday. And then Saturday, they do all of the extracurricular schoolwork to make sure that they perform well in school. So they really only have Sunday, which they don't really even have because they're always going to be behind work. And then you look at that, you look at that network or you look at that system and you see that, you know, specifically in boys that, uh, suicides are so high and it's like, no wonder. I didn't know that. You know, pressure and race to be the best. Yeah. You know, and there's just that constant. It's really sad. Yeah. It's, it's really insanely sad. sad. We don't value mental health mm-hmm. at all. And what's crazy is no. that we should. Korea had a huge boom in bodybuilding and powerlifting, I think, because that is a society that needed that more than anybody else. Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't even have some of the answers. <laughs> but um, I can tell you. That, that really should be the tagline to the show. <laughs> but yeah, let's go. 
I and can, we're not doctors. Uh, and we're, and we're not, not doctors. We're, not doctors. we're definitely but not doctors. I can tell you for a fact, from personal experience and all the guys that I've worked out with, all the athletes that I've coached, from uh, and most of my coaching was in high school and co- college levels, that uh, the exercise component solves so many problems. Yeah. Uh, that it, it, it um, you know, I think of all the athletes, especially uh, that I saw, because I would see them for a three or four year period, and then they graduate and go have jobs and families. And I still keep up with a lot of these guys, even though I do it from a distance, you know, through social media. I might not be in direct contact with them, but I try to stay in touch somehow so I can just, I, you know, I feel like they're part of the crew. I just, I just want to make sure they're okay. That group is so, seems to be, you know, percentage wise, so much better off. Professionally, they're better off. Family, they're better off. More stable, more well rounded, uh, have a better outlook on things. They're not as negative. Uh, just so many things that they have that seem to be in line with all of the people that, um, well, it's not all of them. There's plenty of Debbie Downers in, in the exercise world. But um, overall, if I compare it to other segments of, of life, uh, they're not in the streets rioting, burning cities right. down. Uh, uh, you know, these people have a, a better perspective on trying to advance themselves financially, uh, morally, um, physically. And they do a much better job of it. And the, and the foundation starts in the gym. Yeah. It just does. Mm-hmm. It does. Even to go further into that, more than ever now, um, you know, talent agencies and recruiting offices will look at athletes before they look at sales majors uh-huh. and things like that. Absolutely. Because those things can be taught from a book. But that camaraderie, that life lived in experiences, mm-hmm. the ability to lead, the ability to have the humility to understand that your team failed as a group, things like that, that's not taught in our school. Right. So yeah. they decide to go. And that's why, like, and I've said this before, like, when Chad Coy was here, I was talking about this, about how it really does feel like the athletic department when it comes to schools is the only place where people are having more lived experiences than a textbook based experience, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, it's crazy, but again, and and the reality is, is that athletics shouldn't be the one to, to carry that weight. It really should be recess. It should be free time. It should be, you know, the ability to hang out with your friends in a neighborhood or do some type of, you know, sport, right. some team building exercise or something. But it's the only thing left. It's the only cornerstone left of human experience that doesn't come from straight out of a textbook. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be real. Most of the classes now are what PowerPoint slides. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I'm, I'm so out of touch on the academic side. Or how things are it's, conducted in yeah. school anymore. It's very virtual. Is it? It's very virtual. And my girls have, you know, different experiences. But my Lizzie has been in school and doing some virtual and a lot of what mm-hmm. she does in both realms. I mean, it's strictly from a computer. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's a teacher there. There's right. someone to help if needed. But it's not like it was when we were growing up. Right. Where, I mean, you might get that. What was that contraption that put the image on the oh that uh, overhead projector oh, okay. yeah. that, dude, right dude you're right on that yeah. and that was i mean that That's was funny. the you know that was pretty cool technology back when yeah. we were oh dude i I, yeah. I had an overhead projector too that was <laughs> so, that was you know, the, that was that was in it I mean, yeah. the teacher was in the classroom she's leaning over your desk yeah. she was you know meandering through and that just doesn't happen i don't think no anymore. not anymore and i mean and on the teacher note it's not their fault. Right. No, they, no they, it's they not. They have been given more it's than they not. can do in a day. And yeah. they've done all they can do. Yeah. So, and they're yeah. given, you know, 
way too many students to. Yeah, and oh, not to mention work. way too little pay. And oh, there's a lot gosh, of issues. Started. Y'all know I was a teacher before I was a gym. I didn't know that. Yes, I have an education. Degree. Yeah, I was music head. So. Now, uh, Emily, we could definitely have you back because I feel like we need to get into more conversation with the firm and all oh, that stuff. So we'll have you back again as okay. a, as, a, sure. as a guest. But any final thoughts you wanted to talk about before we close out on this episode? We've talked a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. if anything, if anything, if anything, what I wanted this to be was a a shotgun approach to the topics that we can delve more into in the okay. future. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the way we, anything, well, so. yeah. you know, the way we do things, we're completely unscripted. We don't. Yeah. We come in here with a, a sheet of punch points. We just let it flow. And when we first got in here, I really thought, well, we'll probably talk a, a lot about. Yeah, I did not expect to go in the directions we went. Yeah. 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 So we still have all that still on the table. So yeah. we yeah. definitely got to have you back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm game. Yeah. So okay, perfect. You. Perfect. And that's the Brains for Gains podcast signing off. Signing off. Yeah. <laughs>